0: on the clearest of nights when the winds of the Aetherium were calm and peaceful. The great merchant ships with their cargoes of Arcturian solar crystals
1: felt safe and secure.
0: Little did they suspect that they were pursued by...
1: And welcome to Bootlegged, a special feature of the Carton Cast where we check out animated movies. That's right. In our
0: in our continuing egg-themed broadcasting about animation, we wanted to branch out into um, full-length animated films. You know, by no means <laughs> does
1: yes, because no... egg-themed uh, animated TV shows was was too narrow. It's you know? too
0: narrow a scope for. And we we really didn't. We really wanted to spread our wings uh, in the manner of several egg-laying birds and yep. we picked seagulls? Uh yeah, parrots?
1: I mean, anyway. I would say parrots. Seagulls would be more uh finding Nemo, I think.
0: <laughs> yes, but we are not uh we're not doing finding We are not Nemo. finding
1: Nemo currently. No.
0: Hang on, hang on. We didn't even say our names. <laughs> <laughs> let, let let's let's do it from the top. Let's My do name it. is Ben. And I'm Zane. Right. And this is uh a Cartoon Cast special feature. Our first in the Bootlegged series of uh that we hope will be an ongoing segment where we do animated films, not just short cartoons. Right. Um, I, I think it, yeah, it definitely lends itself to something that isn't, you know, where we're, we're I, I don't really know exactly how it's special compared to cartoons. I definitely feel as though uh, we can get something through animated movies that we can't get through cartoons, but I'm not well, quite sure I, what it is yet.
1: Well, I think, um, you know, I'm, I I was listening earlier to our uh, Samurai Jack episode, and I was thinking uh, how that first arc uh, plays a Rangers lot more. Ninjas are
0: good, at, but at first, could it have pirates?
1: <laughs> the first arc that they do um, has a lot more involved with the themes, a lot more interest in the whole design, and, and as a holistic experience. Whereas when you get into later episodes, it kind of falls off. It's a monster of the week type of thing. So yeah. when you have a movie, you you get that whole experience where the, the themes that they're trying to promote are are continuing throughout.
0: It's a much more concerted, directed effort. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's the entirety of the uh, program is, is in mind through its entire production, whereas maybe in some later seasons of Samurai Jack, <laughs> it kind of is just uh, following its own momentum. Whereas, you know, as far as movies go, you don't necessarily create the first part of it first and then the last part of it at the end. It's, it's, it, the themes and the animation and everything is in mind for the entirety of it. So, right. And this, and this
1: movie had a bit of a leg up on that because it, it could borrow the themes of its source material.
0: That is true. So let's get right into Treasure Planet.
1: Treasure Planet, based on the original Treasure Island. By
0: Robert Louis Stevenson, whom, uh, there was a short bio in the, in the book that I read. I actually, for, uh, for research for this particular show, I went and read Treasure Island It's in its entirety because I have nothing better to do. And, uh, I,
1: I did have better things to do, so I decided to <laughs> kind of shortchange it and just watch Muppet Treasure Island instead.
0: Oh my god, did you really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and? Uh, apparently, it's very close to the original, except you know, talking puppets. Yeah, I, I had and heard some, some song good and dance about numbers.
0: <laughs> yeah, there are significantly less of those in the book. Um, it had a short bio on Robert Louis Stevenson. If I can, you know, remark Please on do. that for a little bit. So uh, yeah, he was absolutely. born in 1850, and uh, he was somewhat sickly most of his life with the TB. So, uh, you know, he had flights of fancy. He would follow his imagination, not unlike you know a. I always I kind of was thinking like Stephen Hawking when I was thinking it because, you know, his 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 body is frail, but his mind is, you know, his his creative impulses are more limitless and allow him license to soar, license to spread his wings and travel without, you know, being a slave to his own programming, such mm-hmm. as it is. And uh, Robert Louis Stevenson had a, a great exploration uh, sort of arc through his entire life. Um, Even though he was sickly, he tended to travel a lot, um, and uh, a lot of his, you know, boyhood experiences and flights of fancy were inspiration for uh, Treasure Island. Cool. And uh, yeah, so one of many film adaptations of this book, uh, Treasure Planet, is the 43rd of Walt Disney's animated classic series.
1: That's right. It was released in 2002. Uh, And it was written and directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, who were a duo uh, also responsible for movies such as The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Hercules.
0: Yeah, and something I think we're going to see is that, uh, at least what I've seen, is, you know, Treasure Island is a lot more harrowing a tale than Treasure Planet. (laughs) Um, And the Disneyfication of all the characters and the plot is uh, pretty apparent, if yeah. you contrast the two.
1: Well, I hope that you uh, let us know about some of the key differences as we're going through the plot.
0: That is probably all I'm going to talk about. <laughs> you, you might have to actually be the only person who talks about Treasure Planet.
1: Fair enough. Because um, uh, well, I really,
0: really enjoyed reading Treasure Island anyway.
1: Well, the one of the more interesting things about Treasure Planet is its production history because uh, Ron Clements and John Musker had actually pitched it several times since 1985. Yeah. Uh, and finally got their wish by demanding the right to make it as long as they uh, were directing Hercules.
0: Yeah, and they—I uh, believe it was like a ten-year-long production history. Like this, this took a while to make. It's um, quite a
1: quite a feature.
0: <laughs> and um, <clears throat> you know, notab- notably, it was not terribly successful. In fact, it's Disney's biggest financial loss as of 2011. It bombed in the box office.
1: Yeah, even it, though it got generally pretty critically positive reviews it was nominated for an academy award for best animated picture
0: it won an award for sound editing in an animated film i'm
1: not surprised and for best picture <laughs> it lost to uh, spirited away which like you know that's fair like okay yeah, i'll i'll lose i'll lose to spirited away any day
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah you you you're you're losing to the best of the biz it's, and I think, it's sort of um, a mark of honor and so on.
1: and i think it was also going up against lilo and stitch as well
0: Oh, well, forget about it. Which was
1: such a crowd pleaser at the time.
0: (laughs) Of course, you know, and this movie does sort of appeal to a young audience, but not that young. And Disney always does a little bit better with the super young than the moody teenagers. This
1: this got a lot of angst going in, but uh, you mentioned the sound editing and um, Mm. the music in in Treasure Planet is by James Newton Howard, who also wrote the soundtracks to Pretty Woman and Hunger Games. (laughs) As well right. as, as well as most of M. Night Shyamalan's films, uh, and he, co-compo- <laughs> he co-composed the Dark Knight with Hans Zimmer.
0: That I I don't see any influences by Hans Zimmer over here. <laughs> um, so uh, I I don't have much to say as far as the sound goes, but the as far as the animation goes, mm. um, Treasure Planet uses a, a combination of hand-drawn two-dimensional's uh, like uh, 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 characters and stuff like that, and it's set upon a 3D computer animation. Yeah, um, it,
1: they're using what's called the deep canvas technique.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: Uh, I saw a cool The Making Of video for uh, Tarzan, and it, it's pretty <laughs> cool It's pretty cool how they do it. Um, but it, it makes the overall feeling a little trippy, which, <laughs> is, which is fine. Um, the film's style was apparently influenced by 19th century oil paintings. So, so um, it, it's it, fair that it's a little <laughs> goopy.
0: So the thing is, the the thing I have to say about the animation style and like the sort of tone of the animation is uh, that he, Ron Clements very much wanted it to be a warmer sci-fi than it's than is traditionally used yeah. for futurescapes. So yeah. it does it does kind of drip candy a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, presumably, it's to capture Stevenson's appreciation of the unknown and the allure of adventure, which is why yeah. the color palette is rather warm as opposed to you know maybe a Hellboy <laughs> or right. something like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, it's not one of those, uh, you know, there are some dark and troublesome moments, but it's not really, on the whole, a, a dark world. It's not a cynical place. It's it's full of adventure. It's the age of exploration in space. How could it be cooler?
0: Yeah, and I've got some more to say about that as far yeah, as, 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 uh, as, we, as the steampunk go. aesthetic goes, but it is also why no one is wearing spacesuits or anything. <laughs> like, it's... it's it's really just trying to capture you uh, viscerally, as opposed to intellectually, which I I would say it does a very good job of doing.
1: Uh, before we get into it, I have a couple of other uh, factoids. Oh, please, please do. Uh, so my factoids are uh, well. It holds the distinction of being the first film to appear simultaneously in both regular and IMAX theaters. Really? Yeah. Um, which is which is pretty cool because uh, I imagine it it added a little something extra to those visuals, which you know, if you think they're trippy and drippy now, you know, <laughs> surrounded on all sides and besieged by that kind of entertainment.
0: Yeah, I, I can only imagine having those 360 shots of, like, uh, Jim giving John Silver a stern talking to on that hilltop. Imagine that having, like, it, I don't know, the idea of me being in the center of that happening as though I'm yeah. on John Silver would blow my, blow my fucking head off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it also
1: uh, had a... Um, Video game remake, Treasure <laughs> really? Treasure Planet Battle at Procyon, which is a PC game. Uh, Man, that sounds it, dumb. Interestingly, no battle at Procyon takes place because if you beat the game, then you trick the Procyons into a peace treaty.
0: <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta probably... tell you, the battle at Procyon definitely, definitely diverting. Pretty hard from the source material. <laughs>
1: um, but probably the most uh, interesting and important thing is this uh, law of 70 30.
0: I saw that. Um, Basically, yeah, he, he wanted it to be. Uh... I believe it was uh, both the animation and audio were done by this 70/30 rule saying that 70% of the setting should be traditional mm-hmm. and 30 se- 30% should be sci-fi and nothing in between. There's like nothing modern in this. Yeah, which it's is great. It's,
1: it's really nice. It's, it's really nice. You know, they've got these they've got these gigantic spaceships that look like pirate ships and they're like swabbing the deck with a mop, but yeah. the people swabbing the deck are like Squid monsters and cyborgs. Like. No one <laughs> explains why they're able to breathe. <laughs> like, it, it's it's really, ignored.
0: Yeah, and which is, which is great. Um, yeah, I would. It's say not necessary. If, if I would say, if there was one thing I appreciated about this entire movie, it's I can probably owe it to that seventy thirty rule. I, I find that to be maybe the strongest aspect of it's this a movie.
1: good mix. It's a good mix. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> uh, well. Now that we've got that all out of the way, shall we get into it?
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I I think what I would like to do is set up kind of the structure of the story by introducing the main characters a little bit, and okay. then we can develop them as the plot progresses, because uh, we're going to basically give a rundown of the plot. So, spoiler alert, the entirety of Treasure <laughs>
1: <laughs> Except not as pretty.
0: C- correct. And correct.
1: the only voice acting is done by Ben and Zane.
0: Yeah, which... Yes. Um, so yeah, the main characters are, uh, what, by the way, these are basically the same characters as they are in Treasure Island. Um, the the main main character, you know, the protagonist, Jim Hawkins, um, whom is played, who's voice acted by Joseph Gordon Levitt. And he's sort of a rapscallion of a youth whose future is somewhat dismal. You know, he keeps getting into trouble, um, and has no strong father figure who can provide guidance. Um, And, you know, the whole exploration of this magical world and the dangers that are wrought within it kind of show him the two directions in which his life can go. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also Captain Long John Silver. (laughs)
1: which I had no idea that that was like that's that's what this was that that that, that was a literary figure I was like oh Long John Silver you know it's yeah Davey Jones yeah yeah Yeah.
0: Um, whom is voiced by Brian Murray which I don't remember what else he's in
1: I didn't see much interesting but he does this pretty well
0: we will talk about it but he's he's you know the affable sort of figurehead of adventure and this sort of gentleman of fortune um lifestyle you know hand to mouth you know treat each day as it comes never really take anything too seriously demeanor which Mm -hmm. holds a lot of fascination for jim especially because he doesn't have a reliable strong father figure and they really do play up that whole uh estranged son father i never had etc
1: i think i think they i think they like say it overtly a couple times You just, like, say, like, oh, you're like a son to me, or, you know, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, you really need a father figure, and he's, like, looking straight at him kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they
0: they really don't beat around the bush much with this. There's a, a lot of what this movie lacks that the book had, which is, I think, always what happens when you go from book to movie, is that it just loses a lot of the subtlety. We um, don't have time for subtlety.
1: There's no. explosions.
0: There's explosions. You, we're surfing in the comet trail. It's pretty cool. It's great. Yeah, you don't need subtlety. Just watch. Don't even listen. Just watch everything. <laughs> a pretty, pretty, pretty kick-ass movie. Just like kind of seeing it at, like on a ceiling. Just like really fast <laughs> and like maybe Pink Floyd playing in the background or like one is the loneliest number?" That's like, not Jim, Pink Floyd. Just walking. Whatever.
1: It, no, no. Yeah, Three dog this, night, is, right? this is the kind of thing where it's in a nice summer day. You lie back on a hill, and instead of clouds, you're just it's you're watching treasure. You're just, Planet. just watching Treasure Planet <laughs> <laughs> play right. play across in the sky or space, right.
0: such as it is. Um, yeah, and he's he's. But Long John Silver is very important in establishing the buccaneer archetype, which they don't change at all from like this mm. is a hundred percent traditional, really, except that he's got cyborg parts. <laughs>
1: Right, and uh, the part of Long John Silver in Muppet Treasure Island was played by uh, Tim Curry, so... <laughs>
0: yes, Gabriel we'll, Nye.
1: Watch it just for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure I'll watch it eventually. Um, the only other really main character that I feel necessary to introduce mm-hmm. is Dr. Doppler, um, which is played by Niles Crane and, really? Look, as a I... part of a Mega Man
1: X villain. I... Um... <laughs> Did I misread this? <laughs>
0: no, it's, it's, it's Frasier's brother. What? David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, David Hyde Pierce. You said Crane something. Yeah, Niles Crane. Same Oh guy.
1: okay. Well <laughs>
0: Yeah. Or uh Sideshow Bob's brother.
1: I am not nearly as uh <laughs> well versed <laughs> in the Kelsey Grammar verse as you are, apparently. <laughs> uh but I did uh, notice that he also played uh Drix in Osmosis Jones and Abe in Hellboy did the that's...
0: voice of Oh really Abe, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I it's He's always very good with stuffed shirt characters, um, which is what this role aspires to. He's supposed to play the antithesis to, you know, the uh, easygoing Long John Silver. He kind of provides the opposing, you know, responsible, upstanding citizen viewpoint that uh, Jim Hawkins can follow. Right. I think less fluidly than in the book. Right. Was he a part of the book? In the book. This is, this is actually a gestalt role from two characters, Squire Trelawney, whom is even more of a stuffed shirt and kind of a ponce. Mm-hmm. And then sort of uh, the hero of the book, whom Jim kind of aspires to near the end. Uh, he kind of starts looking up to this guy a little bit, um, Dr. Livesy. And uh, yeah, he's... Whom is a little bit more affable than this guy. Like, he, he's kind of more business But, you know, you can really see the merits of his responsibility, wherein, you know, Dr. Doppler is just, I I can't imagine ever wanting to be him. It's a little bit, it's a little bit like the dichotomy between Long John Silver and Dr. Livesey in Treasure Island is a lot more apparent. And just like the the thematic resonance hits a little bit stronger. Um, His, uh, Jim's choices are more clearly defined.
1: Yeah, I, I really like Dr. Doppler. Um, I really
0: don't. However, <laughs> <let's>, <laughs> what, what do you say? I mean, there's a couple other characters, Jim's mom, the, the, captain, the captain, but they're not as important to the themes of the story. I think we should just jump into it. Yeah.
1: Well, I do want to say Captain Amelia, the mm. captain of the ship, is uh, voiced by Emma Thompson. Yeah. Who was in Love Actually really and uh, some Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, apparently she's very highly regarded among uh, British actors, but I, I don't think I've ever seen her work. This was her first and one of her only uh, voice acting jobs, and she took it because uh, she was pregnant at the time. Really? Yeah. So she's like, "Oh, I can do some voice acting work. No, no problem."
0: Pregnant with, uh, pregnant with puppy cats.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: actually, apparently, in you know the epilogue, uh, it, apparently a, a cut scene was that the Doctor Doppler is the one who actually got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> because space and aliens
1: and all that garbage. So unnecessary.
0: Yeah, really playing up the 30% there. Yeah. Anyway, um, what do you say we just jump right into the plot, and mm-hmm. we, can, we, can, we can discuss as we go?
1: All right. Well, we, uh, we, we start with a cold open of an interstellar ship. By ship, I mean pirate ship, which I thought that meant that this was going to be a little light on the science fiction, because I was like, well, why do you need sails on a spaceship? <laughs> uh, but they do yeah, actually explain it But later. then you
0: realize that it's all part of a holographic
1: book. <laughs> yeah, it's the story of Captain Flint who stole the treasure from a thousand planets and hid it on Treasure Planet.
0: Mm-hmm. And mysteriously Cap- was able to vanish from his plunder, uh, you know, spots. When yeah. he plundered a ship, he would immediately vanish so that they c- he couldn't be tracked, which comes yeah. back later.
1: Yeah, um, plenty, of, even, plenty of foreshadowing there.
0: Yeah, and it it kind of sets up that Jim, even at this early age, was enamored with uh, adventure and exploring, mm-hmm. much like, you know, Robert Louis Stevenson did when he was crippled. Um, hmm. Not crippled so much as, you know, just uh, ill.
1: I'm going to go ahead and say tubercul- tuber- tuberculosis is pretty crippling.
0: I, I suppose so. I mean, he <laughs> still did
1: explore, but he wasn't, you know,
0: yeah. he, he wasn't hobbled per se. You know um but yeah, but yeah it's
1: being read by uh, a young a young jim hawkins mm-hmm. and, uh, and his loving mother and his loving mother and everything seems pretty happy
0: although the father is noticeably absent um right and i do want to say here that uh jim in the book in treasure island is kind of not he doesn't really care about adventure <laughs> he's just working at his in his father's in like he, Think back to when you were five. How much characterization did you really have? Did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? You are kind of just living.
1: I remember enjoying waffles. Yeah. You got, that was like, probably my dominant character trait.
0: I really cannot wait for the movie of your life to come out. <laughs> <laughs> just all waffles all the time.
1: It's going to be incredibly poorly paced, so that uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be like Dune. The first five years is going to take up most of the movie, and then they just kind of rush through the rest. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, th- nothing to comment <laughs> <laughs>
1: did you um, notice that there's a stitch doll in his room i didn't but i had read that yeah i i saw it there's, there's a nice
0: number of little touches from Dis- disney likes doing it yeah um but yeah and uh it it quickly cuts to him 12 years down the line yeah. um solar surfing as an impetuous youth with a knack for getting into trouble
1: this is a beautiful scene. Yeah. See,
0: solar sailing looks fucking amazing.
1: <laughs> He's going through some beautiful terrain, and they're really showing off the the novel animation style.
0: Yeah, it's clear from this that this movie is very heavy on the spectacle. Just from that whole awesome gra- holographic space book cut right into solar surfing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And I and... actually
0: got a little bit of rocket power vibe. Like, <laughs> yeah, like people still like Tony Hawk. It's pretty cool.
1: It, it but now it's in you... space. The the animation reminded me a little bit of some animes or like uh, Tintin comics, where um, the characters look pretty simplistic, um, but the backgrounds are very detailed, and the idea is that you can immerse yourself into the world uh, and put yourself into the main character's place. Speaking at the same of time. the main character's place,
0: how do you feel about his hair?
1: Love it. Love it! Fantastic. <laughs> I'm kind not a big fan of the rat spiky, tail generally. Spiky, spiky front, rat tail back. He makes
0: it work. <laughs> he, he's, he's beautiful. I t- yeah, he looks really cool. Like I want to hang out with him a little bit. Like, and as becomes clear later, he is a good guy. He's just bored, I guess, with a with a you know a a domestic lifestyle.
1: Yeah, um, he's he's classic teenage rebellion. You know. Mm-hmm. And they're and they're playing it up early on, so that we know, like, oh, this is going to be a central conflict.
0: Yeah, it, it, I think his immaturity is sort of told to the audience ham-handedly. Whereas in the book, it was clear from his interactions in the narrative that he was that he was young. You know, he would give yeah. in to fear more readily. He sort of found a fascination with these uh, really uh, really treacherous characters. And then later on in the book, you just based on the based on what the narrative brings out, it's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, at this point, Jim gets uh, pulled over by the RoboCops.
0: Yeah,
1: like <laughs> like, like uh, James T. Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name, son? Kirk. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, that, I, I don't know. What, what don't, why don't you tell me how you feel about the whole inn and uh, Jim well, the, and uh, how he relates to it?
1: Well, the RoboCops bring him in to his mother, who's an overworked innkeeper. Um, mm. her, her movements and voice kind of remind me of uh, Nani from Lilo and Stitch. Or She's a hot mom. Other Disney female characters. That's not quite what I meant. She looks good. It's good, good, good. <laughs> Again, not at all what I was going for.
0: <laughs> she didn't look as good in the book. Other <laughs> pictures. <laughs> no, uh, my, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not terribly creative or imaginative.
1: Yeah, but um, no, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's a very real life kind of thing. Um, and yeah. and this, this is sort of the you know you said like it tries to hit the traditional and also the sci-fi but this this is sort of a timeless oh um you know got to got to keep the house together all by myself kind of deal yeah
0: and you know in, it rings
1: um, tr- it rings true i think for a lot of people
0: i suppose so and it does get that 30% sci-fi by having like a bunch of squid people walking around yeah. asking for more juice
1: yeah some grubs
0: <laughs> yeah Um, it, it, it introduces the incredibly naive and ineffectual Dr. Doppler here, whom tries to stick up for the boy on his behalf. I got sort of a, you know, absentee, like a, I don't know. I I got sort of a vibe that he was sort of interested in Jim's mom a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you got that at all. That Doppler, he's just, he's just chasing tail, that dog.
0: (laughs) Chasing his own tail. Yeah, he is a dog. Um, (laughs) We
1: should point out.
0: Yeah, what I, I don't know.
1: Dog person.
0: Yeah, I don't It's
1: fine. It doesn't do anything. It's just there.
0: Yeah, it's just allows him to make a couple stupid jokes and to have, you know, belligerent sexual tension with the cap cat kitten.
1: Kitten, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Uh <laughs> Yeah. I don't think which um, but uh... I, I I do you know, you said it's kind of ham handed how they how they show that Jim is being this rebellious guy, but but there's a great moment which I thought was a bit more subtle where the robot forgets exactly which part of the law Jim broke <laughs> and then Jim reminds him.
0: Yeah, it it, it speaks to a he, interesting facet of uh artificial intelligence.
1: Oh yeah, oh the robot that never gets revisited. They like quick banter with each other. I love it. The but, slammer. But it also um, underscores the idea, like, this happens to Jim all the time.
0: Yeah, and everyone sees him as a loser. He's definitely got a lot to prove, and mm-hmm. not really a good way to do it. He's just got a lot of rebel without a cause mentality.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just waiting for an adventurer to come and take him away from this. Yeah, which, <laughs> luckily, not too long from
0: now, uh, you know, someone crash lands at his inn. Yeah, um, just... just... Lucky that. Bam. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the scoundrel pirate Billy Bones crash lands at the Benbow Inn. I don't...
1: Um, wow, well, that's some alliteration. I don't quite understand the point of Billy Bones.
0: Billy Bones was a much bigger character in the book. He I actually, would imagine. He actually showed up right at the outset of the book and was just kind of a shithead who, you know, a shithead pirate who stayed at the inn, drank all their rum, never paid his tabs, but everyone was too afraid to get rid of him. <laughs> Uh,
1: Yeah, here he just kind of, like, he's there for two minutes, alien, pirate, uh, like, I I felt like, with, you know, ignoring the fact that this is based on the book, mm. I felt like they could have redone this a bit better.
0: Well, the book sets up Billy Bones' figure as very tragic. I mean it's it's sorta of done here as well. Well he dies
1: in like two yeah, minutes.
0: Yeah, but you don't care about him at all. Like Exactly. He's very iconic in the book. Like there's a lot of time where everybody in the um everybody in the inn is sorta of fascinated with him and it actually draws some business just because everyone wants to see this this real old salt, you know, a real oh, that's man cool. of the sea. Yeah, and this is actually where Jim kinda gets his fascination with piracy. Not not like in the movie, not like in Treasure Planet, where it happens like when he's five. Um, <laughs> but he kind of just slowly gets uh, enamored with this really ruthless character. Um, I'm
1: I'm a little curious on the pacing of the book. Um, about, about what page count is is this happening in?
0: Um, maybe maybe thirty pages in is when he dies. Okay, it, it sets it
1: up more slowly. And how long is the book like overall? 20. Like two hundred that... pages.
0: Okay, so that's Turns not un- that's not
1: unreasonable. They're keeping the timing pretty. Well,
0: yeah, pretty and they, you know, they they do adhere very closely to the plot at this point. But again, the tone of it and the pacing of it just do not emphasize the whole peril and fascination with piracy aspect to it. No, no,
1: it, I felt like a lot of these scenes just kind of like jump to this scene, jump to this scene. It yeah, felt, it felt kind of
0: it, it feels rushed. It, it feels like you're just trying to get Jim where he needs to be. Yeah. Um, whereas in the book. Jim is very much a standby character. It's all Billy Bones show all the time for the yeah. first two, you know, two dozen pages. And um, I
1: forgive it because there's a lot going on. And the more that goes on, the more I get to see these, these beautiful visuals.
0: Yeah, and Billy Bones doesn't really matter all that much for the plot. Other no. than it's just
1: showing Jim
0: the, you know, the good parts and the bad parts of piracy. And he finds it compelling enough to try his hand at it anyway. Yeah. Get out here, of here, Billy
1: Bones. You're taking time away from Long John
0: yeah he, here he's yeah exactly here it's very uh tangential but um, it does lead to a pretty cool reveal of the spaceport
1: well hold on you're you're oh, you're th- rushing a bit billy hands jim this this orb yeah it's a treasure map. basically a map it's a treasure map yeah and he warns jim yeah. about the cyborg and then yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah immediately a bunch of pirates land and attack the house
0: yeah. So Again, like this is this is book. why I, you know, Jim gets the child. treasure map. A bunch of pirates
1: are looking for it as well. Yeah, but coming in from nothing uh and and just seeing like, "Oh, slice of life, oh, rebellious teenager, boom, pirate, boom, attack." Like it felt very awkward these this like 5-minute segment.
0: I guess it kind of feels uh. very coincidental, you know? fortuitous that he arrived just before the pirates did like what was he being chased for like a month and a half like and right on his tail and that's
1: the thing why warn Jim about the cyborg which cyborg there's many cyborgs in the uh it's in the so book, random he doesn't
0: warn Jim at all he kind of doesn't really pay attention to Jim very much Jim just really? finds the map after he dies from a stroke from drinking too much Interesting, Which is much more personal,
1: (laughs) I think. In in Muppet Treasure Island, he warns him about the one-legged man.
0: Yeah, as did uh, uh, Billy Bones in the book in uh, Treasure Island did not warn him about the one-legged man so much as said, if a one-legged man approaches, tell me so I can get out of Dodge. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it's much more, it's less focused on Jim.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure it explains a bit more about why they know each other and why, you know why he was born him.
0: I mean right from the beginning in Treasure Planet, Jim just has a real spotlight cast on him. Everyone's talking about how great he is even though he's kind of a fuck up. Like his mom is like, "He's so smart. He's just a kid in the yeah. in Treasure Island and he kind of has to come into his own." I <laughs> he's mean just, he's part just of a setting kid up and it comes in... part of setting up his character as this, you know, sort of child prodigy at solar surfing. Yeah. It's really diminishing his growth uh yeah. come later in the movie where he's starting to catch, you know, catch some infamy of his own.
1: Yeah. I he is a kid though. I like uh how his mother yells at him uh and says that his name his middle name is Pleiades. <laughs> yeah. Brightest star cluster in the sky. Add that to the baby names list.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. So what what are we at now? Um Grant.
1: Launchpad. Launchpad. <laughs> Pleiades. Launchpad Pleiades Todd Russell. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It's a pretty um, good name, and got to add Dop- Doppler in there too because he's got some great uh, comedic lines. Like when they're escaping the pirates, he says, uh, "Don't worry, I'm an expert in the laws of physical science," and then just jumps out a window. He doesn't jump out a window. What's <laughs> his face pushes him out. That's not. Push, that's not even better. <laughs> it is better, but I, um,
0: I don't like Doctor Doppler for that reason because it's. I don't know. I wanted it to be more serious. I was used to Treasure Island.
1: He's not serious. Yeah, he, churn, but... he churns the butter. But he's the he's, he's only one who's mode. not serious. That's true. I, I, him and Ben. But we'll get to we'll get to Ben. Uh, but yeah, so they get excited about the map, and uh, so Jim and Doppler leave for the spaceport and convince Jim's mom that it could be just the thing for the boy.
0: Yeah, and uh, beautiful
1: shot of the spaceport, by the way.
0: Beautiful shot of the spaceport. Beautiful shot of the treasure map. It does one of those sweet holographic projection garbage. Mm-hmm. Like it's just really hitting you with a bunch of spectacle right away. Yeah, I which love, is the strongest love, part of the movie, um, so I don't mind that it's
1: underlining it. They they zoom into the crescent moon. I'm like, mm. oh, they're gonna do like a romantic like cut. No, no, they just zoom in, and that's the spaceport. Yeah, and it looks like it's in the 18th century. Like,
0: <laughs> you you forget for a minute that it's not space. It's just like, yeah, I, I don't know how to I don't know how to put it any better than that. All the boats, all, all the boats are not modern
1: boats. It's this, really. This is really the dregs right. where humanity comes to fester.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, you know, wretched stunning. scumming. The... Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, during pre-launch, you know, uh, it's really, it's really depicting the two sides of the crew. The faithful and the eventual mutineers, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you, yeah. you can see, uh, the captain, Captain Amelia, who's actually, uh, she's a very straight-laced captain, um... She's trying to keep the secret of the treasure map. She's trying to keep the treasure map a secret because she suspects that the crew might be
1: mutinous. Which they are.
0: Yeah, good on you, captain. Like, is it
1: is it a common procedure for a captain to be independent of the crew? It seems like they were hired separately.
0: Well, the 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 crew is hired by Dr. Doppler. Um which is true to the story. Uh Squire, The Squire Trelawney, you know, the real stuffed shirt character? Yeah. He blabs about the treasure map to, like, everyone. Because he's an <laughs> idiot. Because he doesn't understand what's going on. And everyone makes fun of him for it. Well, yeah. Um, and the captain. Um, I don't remember what... What's what the person's name? No, no. I don't remember what the captain's name is in the book. Smollett. Captain yeah. Smollett in the book. He, um, he says as much. He says, I do not like this crew. And, you know, Dr. Yeah. Doppler in the book, Squire Trelawney is like, "Nah, eh, they're fine. They they look like pirates or whatever." He doesn't yeah. really get it. Well, they
1: have a good interaction he and uh, the captain. There's there's just something endearing about a verbal sparring match between two really smart characters.
0: Yeah, one of whom is way out of his depth. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love how you know, taken to task the doctor is and he can't defend himself at all well because he knows he's wrong. It's really great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um
1: they uh, they board the ship. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: And are immediately set to work because Captain don't take no freeloaders on her boat. Yeah, no, it's great. Which leads us into the best she leads us into the best intro scene, like, for a character in the whole movie. Mr. Silver? Why,
1: Mr. Arrow, sir?
0: Bring in such fine-looking distinguished gents to grace my humble galley. Had I known I'd have talked to Miss sir. <laughs> um How do you feel about Captain Long John Silver?
1: Cook, Mister Silver,
0: Mister Silver, (laughs) pardon me. He's not. He's not Captain yet. Uh, But yeah, I I love, I love, I love Long John Silver's intro for so many reasons. He is, I think, the only one who really commits to the traditional dialogue choice. Uh huh. Like uh, Doppler and Jim, that they kind of accept that it's the future. He's just uh, <laughs> oh, well, me hearties wouldn't wouldn't want to upset you now. Smart as paint, yard, Jim. Like smart as paint. <laughs> that that's the one line that I really remember I love from it. the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I fucking love it. Um, I love all of his dialogue. It's so it's so seaworthy. It's yeah. the best. Whenever he shows up, seaworthy I, for- and swarthy. Yeah, exactly. That's yes. where
1: the word comes from. Is just, it? It's a conjunction. Why not?
0: I thought it was because someone's full of swart.
1: He is also full of swart.
0: I guess so. There's like a lot of swart. Not as much as before, though, because his arm and leg were cut off. There's a, there's somehow. a great
1: there's a great moment of cueing the audience into what a cyborg is in case they didn't know. <laughs> like, okay, we know what cyborgs are. We grew up knowing. We, we read comics. But not everybody does. And, you know, especially if children are watching this. So what they do is, rather than say, yeah, a cyborg is someone who's got robotic parts. They don't do that. They they The camera focuses on the metal parts of Mr. Silver, and then Jim identifies him as a cyborg. And that's how you know, oh, it's the metal parts that make him a cyborg.
0: This is definitely the most steampunk aesthetic in the whole movie. Yeah, it's not
1: really futuristic. It's not cyberpunk. It's, it's definitely more steampunk. I love his Swiss Army hand. <laughs> uh, and how he uses it to cook, yeah, uh, it's really great. I love.
0: Did you see like the side? He's got like a DBZ scouter instead of like a yeah <laughs> instead of like an eye, and it's got like this like little hamster wheel on the side of his head that I guess keeps his eye running. It's really cool to watch. It's
1: it's really well detailed.
0: Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, he, he has a
1: little pet. He's got a little
0: little pet named Morph. I guess little Pro- shapeshifter. Yeah, Prody too. Brody too, yeah. Just yeah. hanging out. Uh, so yeah, he, he also had a companion in uh in the book. Of course, he had uh, Captain Nathaniel Flint, which was a parrot by the same name as his former captain. Oh, okay. And he, and is that. It, about, is that
1: done as foreshadowing in the book? They don't reveal that that's that they work together.
0: Something like that. Uh, not quite. It's not quite foreshadowing. It's it's more of a thematic resonance because the the parrot will constantly say uh pieces of eight pieces of eight and then like some really morbid like last words of flint um you know at at particular moments it's pretty cool
1: you kind of gotta wonder though like how much influence the cook on a pirate ship really had like (laughs) what makes a a cook pirate different from a cook, you know for a uh, for a fleet (laughs) like... <laughs> it, he does
0: seem to command an inordinate amount of respect among both the faithful and the mutineers. Yeah, I mean, it's really presumably weird. among the mutineers. Everyone kind of knows the score, but right. like, he the captain flint. will continually ask, like the cook, for how he feels about stuff.
1: Yeah, pretty it's, funny. It's weird. Hmm. Um, but there are some really good aliens on the book uh, on the boat. The well,
0: I don't want to. I don't want to talk about. it. So I want to talk a little bit more about Captain or uh, about uh, Mister Silver. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Well, uh, let the, I think Did the, you? <laughs> <the> one, <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I'm trying to get there. I'm reading a bunch of notes, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's a good thing to say. That's a good thing to say. It Doesn't really relate right now, but it's a good thing to say." Just let it all out. So, um, this is this is one point I really have a point of contention with. Uh, Jim's demeanor for this section of the movie is the biggest change from the novel. I really? Think. Yeah. At this point, he hadn't really suspected Silver of treachery nor did anyone else in the novel and it wasn't and he was he in fact was very trusting uh of silver up until his later treachery and his initial distrust in the scenes um both show the audience his you know eventual betrayal and makes it lack a certain punch for when he actually betrays him like once it once yeah, it, I it, it has a feeling of oh, well, I guess this is when it was going to happen. In the book, it's just kind of out of nowhere, and it's a lot yeah. stronger. It's an if especially since when. yeah, especially since you know the very next scene has like this heartwarming heart to heart between him and Jim, and knowing that Silver is going to betray him, uh, it just kind of takes a little bit of that away. I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I c- again, I can understand changing the audience for for younger younger viewership. You kind of have to make very broad strokes and, and make these things a little more obvious. But I agree, they did not need to do it like that.
0: hmm I really like uh, how Jim kind of, like, tries to interrogate him about Billy Bones. I don't, I don't like that Jim is doing it. Like, Jim's a little bit smarter in the book. Not quite as much of a loudmouth. Uh, yeah.
1: Like, if you have information... And there's and it's about a guy who's yeah, keep it to yourself, man. supposed to be evil f- from the guy who he killed. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's either going to deny it or deny you. you, or no, he'll kill it's... you. Yeah, it doesn't. What are you going to get out of this, Jim? Yeah, you have nothing to gain, you but have I know where to run like, to. <laughs> I do like Silver's like response to it. He's just a real cool customer. He's like, bones, bones. Mm, can't say that I've heard and louder that name. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good cook, though. Like I love watching his hip. It's hypnotic to watch his. A lot arm. of great, just
1: a lot of great visuals.
0: I just love it when he does anything. I'm I'm on Team Silver. He's great.
1: <laughs> As opposed to uh, Team, Team Slugmo Gold. or Team uh, Evil Spider.
0: <laughs> you don't you don't like him.
1: Sculpture, <laughs> like, whatever his name I li- is. I like the sailor whose head separates from his body. Yeah, That's
0: weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one other thing about this scene where they're kind of taking off is just that I really like the degree to which they adhere to a sailor aesthetic, even in space, because there's, like, there's manta ray gulls and space whales. (laughs) It's it's really driving home the fact that it's form over function for this movie, and they're not really, they don't bother to explain where they are at all. It's really nice.
1: It's, it's, you know what, if if you care super much about the biology and ecology of these space whales, (laughs) you can come up with it yourself. Yeah, it, it kind of
0: reminds me of need Samurai
1: you. Jack where, like, Aku
0: eating a hamburger, like, didn't really make a lot of sense. But it suggests it, it, a
1: deeper story that, like, is too yeah. much work to figure out. Like, figuring <laughs> yeah. it out would ruin it.
0: Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it fits the it fits the flavor of it, if not the logic. Right. But, yeah, did you have anything else to say about the, the other members of the crew? I think they're kind of um, forgettable. No, uh,
1: they're, they're pretty forgettable. Um, the next thing that happens is Jim gets into a scuffle with, uh, with them, and Silver mm-hmm. bails him out of it.
0: Yeah, which means that there's going to be like a, a mutineer sort of meeting. Yeah. At which point, uh, everyone's like, "It's Jimbo, fella. He's really got a big nose sticking it up business." Yeah. Everybody,
1: everybody calls him something different. I
0: I don't understand why they're paying any attention to Jim other than he's a loudmouth. Like, yeah, do they that know about the map? That does not make that he does know about the map, but he doesn't know about the mutineers.
1: But no, no. Do the mutineers know about the map? Why would? Oh they? yeah,
0: they absolutely do. Um, they, they, you know... They, I guess because uh, Silver
1: knew Bones. I guess that makes sense.
0: Well, Dr. Doppler was a blabbermouth and tell, told everyone about it.
1: That's right, I forgot that... Plus, don't forget stumped.
0: that Silver was, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he knew, not, not just Bones, but, uh, but Flint, Flint. Yeah. He knows about the treasure, and it just, yeah. Uh in the in the book he also knows the people whom go track down Billy Bones. They were all on part of the same crew. Oh cool. So there's just there's a little bit of untold story about how information travels among this this, this pirate group.
1: Yeah. So after after Silver bails him out, uh he and Jim have, they get like the father figure role started yeah, going on. The, we get a. Well, the
0: idea is that uh, Silver says, Yeah, I'm going to run that boy so ragged that he won't have time to think or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: but we get a nice uh, teen angst music video montage yeah, song, of Jim's I'm like abandonment issues.
0: Which is really, really good. I yeah. love this scene. It's the song, the song is I'm Still Here by what Maroon 5 or U2 I don't
1: recognize it I don't Um, remember what yeah you got Silver like training Jim in some menial work and Jim slowly gaining like some self confidence they go out on a boat Mm -hmm. like a a boat boat
0: I always get that image of like uh, Calvin's dad saying, "Boy needs structure, discipline." Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and this, is, this is showing it to be true. Like the hands-off dad, the one who wasn't there didn't do anything for Jim, but you know, scraping barnacles—that that's gonna make a man of you. <laughs> I gave you space. You needed space. <laughs> you need structure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I really I really like the scene, and uh, it's when. One part of it, of it, in particular, when the when the song is sort of reaching its climax uh, musically, and it goes back to that flashback where the dad is leaving without a word, yeah, and the and Jim like runs out of the house and tries to follow him. It never talks about where his dad went
1: again. Yeah, it's it's unresolved, which is is apt. I mean, that's the idea. It's way better than the attack some uh, shows and movies take where it's like, oh, it was his father all along. Like,
0: I'm glad that we don't
1: have that. Yeah, it's not like... (laughs) I feel like we have that all the time.
0: He... uh... Long John Silver is not going to uh he's not going to reveal that uh with Cadmus's help he <laughs> <had> cloned use <laughs> use Lex Luthor's cells to clone a new Bruce Wayne, Solomon Grundy, Hawkins.
1: It's the future. There's clones everywhere, I'm sure. Yeah,
0: I'm sure there are. Um but yeah, it's he's a great deal less petulant in the book. So this oh, again good. this it, it yeah. It, this uh you know, maturity is a lot more subdued and doesn't happen for a while. And his begrudging respect towards Silver has much less to do with abandonment issues. Because in the book, his dad actually dies in the beginning. It's mm. not so much abandonment as he just doesn't have a strong role model. You yeah. know, it's it's less it's less abandonment issues. Well, I that's interesting.
1: Saying. I was about to say, well, you know, it's Disney. People don't die. But then I realized in the next scene, somebody dies. <laughs>
0: Which let's talk about the next scene. Um, oh man,
1: a star goes supernova,
0: and then it goes into a black hole, which is actually astronomically uh, it, 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 that that is what that's a happen. big
1: time scale, isn't it? <laughs>
0: not no, not not as much as you'd think. The the core really? collapse of a star, like it, it burns off the hydrogen, which takes years, helium, and then when it goes finally goes down to iron, um, mm-hmm. it only takes like four days. Really? Anyway, yeah, because because there's so little fuel left oh, yeah. to burn. Um, well, yeah, well,
1: parts of this are certainly not scientifically accurate. No,
0: they're getting hit in the face with a supernova, which, by the way, outshines the entire output of galaxies when it happens. Yeah,
1: you'd, they, you'd be, if you're close enough to be affected by a supernova, you're dead.
0: They have they have some really good, uh, I don't know, life vests or something. <laughs> like they're yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't explain it, which I didn't need an explanation, so that is great. But uh, um, I, what happens?
1: Well, well, I would like to point out, mm. this happens about 40 minutes into the movie. Where do you go after Black Hole?
0: Frankly, I don't think the Black Hole was a good... I don't like this scene.
1: It's it's a bit unnecessary.
0: Like, we've already had four or five different really, really cool uh, animation things. Yeah. And this is completely unnecessary, it's, especially since the point of it, you know, to set up that jim doesn't believe in himself because you know the the plot of it is that he, jim is required to secure the lifelines but uh you know bug ba- bugman
1: uh <laughs> evil spider cuts rockman's lifeline yeah 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 S-
0: scissors cuts scissors beats rock in this <laughs> in this scenario mr Arrow who's like the second in command to the captain mm-hmm. um and he is lost to black hole <laughs> Black hole death, um, which is they, the most metal death. Uh,
1: we didn't talk about uh, Arrow earlier. I just want to say... Because he's not important. He's not important. I just want to say um, they kind of... Him and the captain have this kind of relationship where he's kind of straight legs and he'll like, the captain will throw you overboard for anything. And, and then... Um, she's, she's a like, bit jokier. And, and she's a bit jokier, and they really play that up in the Muppet one, where <laughs> he's like, he'll... he'll toss you overboard for, for not having your shoe tied, and then it's Kermit the Frog as the captain. He's like, no, everything's pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's in the um in in the book that's actually the opposite. Mr. Arrow is a character in the book, mm. but he is sort of a layabout and drinks a lot. Oh, he actually gets drunk on the mutineer rum, and... Uh, Notably, he doesn't get a scene in which he gets thrown overboard, he just disappears one day, mm. <laughs> and everyone is kind of led to believe that, oh, he just got really drunk and fell overboard. Interesting. Um, I kind which, of... again, makes the treachery punch a little bit harder, because you're kind of going back through the plot and you're like, oh... The mutineers were responsible for Mr. Arrow's death, too. That's great. And it's a really cool underplayed segment that, you know, doesn't get focus in this because, again, it's an hour and a half.
1: Yeah. And at the same time, I kind of like the more laid-back first-in-command. I, I just like, um, you know, very fluid captains. I like my captains' fluid.
0: <laughs> Which is why I like John, Long John Silver. Right, right. So, um... Yeah, but this culminates in Bugman cutting Mister Arrow's life thing, and
1: everybody blames Jim. Everyone blames Jim. Was to secure the lifelines. Mm-hmm.
0: And he doesn't and realize that he didn't fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's great.
0: Because it, it this, his entire story arc to this point has been him kind of tenuously grasping at no, I'm better than they think I am, and it's finally proven to him that he's not as good as oh, he thinks it's great. he is, it's and fantastic. he is heartbroken. You yeah. know. And this is one of the stronger, you know, father son relationship moments mm-hmm. in the whole thing. Where Silver, you can see he's kind of being indecisive on whether or not to keep this boy at arm's length. And yeah. he finally says, "No, screw it. He needs a daddy. Boy needs a father." And <laughs> keep, says, "You keep got up the, the making... good work, soldier." Yeah,
1: yeah. Stiff upper lip. <laughs> uh, Gives him the, one of the best pep talks I've ever seen. Don't you get it? I screwed up. I mean, for two seconds, I thought that maybe I could do something right, but. I just...
0: just... forget it. Forget it. No, you listen to me, James Hawkins. You got the makings of greatness in you. But you gotta take the helm and charge your own course. Stick to it, no matter the squalls. And when the time comes, you get the chance to really test the cut of your sails and show what you're made of. Well, I hope I'm there, catching some of the light
1: coming off you that day.
0: I really like really the way he talks about it. Like, it's very genuine. Um, an interesting bit of Silver's character uh-huh. um, is of how duplicitous he is, but it, it always seems, regardless of the situation, that he's genuine. You know, we see later that he's kind of falters and has to go between these two personas, and he's a lot more uh, hesitant to do so. In the book, whenever he's with Jim, he seems completely like one of the faithful, like he's just been playing everyone else. And whenever he's not with Jim, or whenever he has to play up to his crew, like you can't really ever tell what Silver's machinations are. In the movie, it's pretty obvious that he really does care for Jim. Not yeah. in the book. In the book he's 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 sort of this political mastermind. It's it's a lot cooler well, and I'll talk about that a well, little bit more you later. You know,
1: real men didn't show their emotions as recently as the sixties, so
0: it's not even about his <laughs>
1: emotions, so much as just he's got
0: he's got this, this wicked charisma mm-hmm. and depending on how he uses it, he can kinda convince anyone of his of his intentions. And it just it's a lot stronger in the book. But it's not that bad here. Um, there's there's also some subtle glances among the mutineers when this lifeline is getting cut. That shows a little bit of characterization through not strict dialogue. And I kind of wish there were more moments like that. Mm-hmm. So, Jim overhears Silver's treachery in the next scene. Morph, you know, takes his boot and he finds himself hiding in an apple barrel as the mutineers are following through with their plan to, you know, be treacherous. But... They they start questioning uh, Silver's relationship with Jim. Say he's right. gone soft.
1: Right, and Silver has to reject Jim publicly mm-hmm. to to prove that he hasn't gone soft.
0: And this is right. It's ripped right from the book. Really? Like, it's yeah. This exact thing happens.
1: But in the book, it was less clear that he actually does have affection for him.
0: Exactly, less clear because uh, you don't see his the indecision on his face, and that might just be. I don't know how it would happen in an animation. I feel like. I feel like it could have been played differently if it wasn't so disney and we didn't need that father-son daw mm. moment. Yeah. Uh, but I can see this also being played uh, much straighter in animation if they just really committed to him not having that, you know, son-I-never-had sort of mentality to him. He could have been much more... It, the best facet of Silver's character is that he's duplicitous, and when we see him hedging between two things rather than really jumping jumping full long into one camp rather than the other I think it undercuts his character
1: yeah I I, I would
0: agree I don't want to get too ridiculous about it but I just yeah I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more later because <laughs> there's a better there's a much better scene where that kind of comes to fruition okay but yeah he overhears Silver's treachery and when Jim tries to leave that cabin, Silver realizes because he comes back down and he's like, oh, he must have heard my entire thing. Yeah. And it follows with Jim stabbing him in the cyber leg. And there's a sweet chase scene wherein he and the, you know, the captain and Dr. Doppler and Morph all, uh, all overtake the, the ship. Not, not the, not the, you know, RLS legacy, which by the way, that's Great. the name of the boat. Yeah. You know, Robert Louis Stevenson legacy. Um, they t- they take the, the lifeboat, really, and yeah. escape onto Treasure Planet. Yep. Notably, uh, Jim thinks that he grabbed the map when, in fact, he just grabbed Morph. Yeah. who <laughs> was behaving as the map. Because...
1: Sneaky, sneaky Morph. Uh, Well, they just crash-landed on uh, Treasure Planet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. Captain Amelia is injured.
0: Yes, which, again, right from the book. Like, this... This story hews very closely to the book for most of it, but this is actually where it starts to go off the rails a little bit. Yeah. In in Treasure Island, um, a lot of the rest of the book is the faithful men, whom number maybe about five or six, mm-hmm. trying to outmaneuver the mutineers, which number, like, 19 or something like that. Okay. Um, and there's a couple of, like, legitimate just, like, prepare the barracks, get some firewood, everyone Oh, eats. like the,
1: the nuts and bolts of the defense.
0: Exactly, a little less fantastic, but it it sort of drives home the doctor Doctor Livesey's reliable nature, reliable plan first nature, mm. which um, you know, like I said before, is a contrast to John Silver's sort of uh, flights of fancy, gentleman of fortune. Which, by the way, I keep using that phrase. They use it in the book a lot, and it basically means pirate. But a large theme of the book is you know a pirate doesn't. Isn't lucky. He makes his own luck, which is why when Long John Silver, you know, continually jumps back from the faithful to the mutineers and back again, mm. he's he's trying to throw in which with, the, with whichever with camp both. he thinks will win. Yeah, and yeah, he just yeah he can really sell it. it, it he he yeah, gets by on
1: charm. I love this character.
0: Well, he, he yeah he gets by on charm and always leaving a way out. Yeah, like he might not be a mastermind. But he always has an exit
1: strategy, which yeah. is why he's alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, at the end of yeah. the day, any any treasure planet you can crash land and walk away from is a good one.
0: <laughs> I want to I wanna talk about the chase scene a little bit that leads up to it. Okay. Just because I don't think it's very strong. Like, I feel like this is another scene just like the supernova that's just like, we need some action happening. And it doesn't really yeah. serve to do anything except for separate the faithful and the mutineers.
1: Yeah. I didn't write anything about it for that reason.
0: In the book, um, in, in Treasure Island, what happens is the the captain basically just like, all right, all of you men whom are suspiciously all of the mutineers, he doesn't say it out loud, of course, <laughs> you guys go scout out the island, we'll just chill here. And then that's how he manages to separate them all without having a grisly fight between like five and 19 people. Pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. The captain is a really stronger, a, a lot stronger of a character in that. much more rigid than this cat captain this captain captain (laughs) um it does play to the strength of the animation but I think it's a weakness of
1: the story and the cast
0: yeah
1: so Jim uh, goes out scouting
0: yeah uh, because the captain is injured they are trying to find like high ground
1: yeah Uh, and he runs into Ben, a crazy robot who's been marooned on Treasure Planet for a hundred years.
0: Yes. Ben in the novel, Ben Gunn. Here, Ben stands for Bioelectrical Navigation System or something like Okay, so this,
1: this was a real character because if, if they had just put him in here because they wanted a wacky robot, I really was, (laughs) was not a fan. (laughs) I, it, it, I don't like him either,
0: um he uh he is a he has a character in the book he is a uh he was re- marooned from flint's original you know uh crew i yeah. don't remember why <laughs> but uh you okay. know he he's kind of gone crazy from lack of human interaction so again this hues really closely to the book
1: yeah they 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 play with it in in a very good way i just didn't like the character himself um you know he Personality-wise, he just really clashes with the high adventure and the subtlety of the rest of the film.
0: Maybe and... not the subtlety, but it's it's much more serious than Ben is, which is yeah. why I also don't like Dr. Doppler. He gets a lot of stupid, like... I prefer You're... Doppler to Ben. Remember when Doppler, like, said he, he was learned in the language of
1: gym and talks to a farting alien? Okay, that, good point. I, I really hated that part. <laughs> um, but uh, Ben is, is, like, he's a robot, and he's so detailed in his construction that he looks photoshopped into an animated film? Like, it's really bizarre. <laughs> he
0: clashes with the, I think, um, you know, the cyborg, and it's all steampunky, and this one's kind of a little bit sleeker, even though he is dirtied. Like, he looks as though he could have been C-3PO in a past life. Yeah. He's just a little He's just a little cleaner than the pirate, uh, you know, sailor aesthetic allows, and it, it's a little bit of a deviation from the uh, 70-30 rule, I think.
1: Yeah. I I wasn't a huge fan, but I I can see why they put him in as a robot. Like it works as a robot certainly.
0: I don't think it works as well as the as as just being marooned. Like he's a little bit crazier, but even the maroon guy was kind of crazy. Like he would constantly like pinch Jim's cheek and be like you you pinch them just like this. huh? you you remember this and it's yeah, like I really think, weird interaction.
1: I, I think that could also be attributed to a, a Disneyfication. You know, it's it's funny when a robot has gone crazy. It's creepy and sad when a person does. And that that's that's exactly
0: why they did it. I think, and we don't see <laughs> a tragic cost to his estrangement from human contact. It's yeah. just kind
1: of oh, lost my memory <coughs> chip. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll get it
1: back someday. But uh, they go back to Ben's place and are <laughs> immediately beset on by pirates. So I'm kind of wondering why they bothered. <laughs> well, but now they have the high ground.
0: Notably, the pirates don't just overtake their, like, Jim has a pistol. This, again, hues pretty closely to the story. They they had a, um, they had a, they had a, like, a, a stockade where they could hole up and they had a bunch of rifles so they could actually fight the pirates off, at which point, you know, Long John kind of parlayed with them a little bit
1: yep yep they parlay and, and this uh, is the
0: strongest this is the strongest part in this in the movie of jim kind of growing up yeah, because when yeah. he comes to parlay and tries to convince jim that yeah i'm always i've always been with you you know yeah
1: I'm, yeah he's trying to make amends and he's playing both sides and he does yeah. it so well but jim is just not buying it
0: nope and it's uh
1: I was so proud of Jim. (laughs) I
0: was proud of him too. He does it a little bit more fluidly in the book and kind of is also playing silver to his advantages. Mm. But here, you know, he is well aware of the pirates backstabbing nature and he's not taken in by his charisma. So we see for the first time, Jim is starting to grow up beyond just finding these pirates fanciful. And much like when he saw saw the Billy Bones drive from, you know, rum intake, he's seeing the darker side of this pirate life. And it's sort of his beginning to convert over to the side of appreciating Dr. Doppler and his mom and the captain for, you know, the responsible sorts they are, even though it's less romantic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um...
0: Notably, uh, Silver then condemns Jim angrily and walks back to the mutineers. We kind of get the sense that Silver is trying to write Jim off in his own head, trying to convince him that he doesn't like him.
1: Yeah. Well, he gives he gives Jim an ultimatum, which I think in his mind is kind of like a way out. Like get the map to him by the next day or he'll blast him. So, yeah. you know, he gives he's, he, he's, he's giving, giving Jim time. some time. He's yeah, he's giving both sides more time. Mhm. And uh, but which this is, this movie which is sort moves, of
0: a gentleman of fortune thing, which this I like.
1: movie's moving so fast. Like it was only 20 minutes ago in movie time that like we approached a black hole. <laughs> like Yeah. This We're is, going way slower than the movie is. It, this is <laughs> such a, a fast-paced movie. It's it's kind of uh, confusing. In a it lot is of ways. a little bit
0: confusing. I love when uh, when Jim is kind of rotating around Silver as the background pans around him, mm-hmm. and we see the whole two D hand drawn thing on the three D background, and it's so effective. Yeah, you know. His world is being turned around, and it, it really is being reflected in the animation. And I just love it whenever that happens.
1: There are there are a few great moments. I don't know if this was one of them, but there's a few moments where you know you're panning across a scene, and then the character that you're viewing, like you, the point of view from, focuses on something, and it switches animation styles from the CGI to the hand drawn. Or I, um, I didn't note like, or much like when a character that. like interacts with something, and it becomes part of the foreground as opposed to the background it changes
0: oh yeah yeah totally
1: there's there's some they do some really great stuff with it
0: yeah they do (laughs) did you Uh,
1: um i love this
0: i love this scene i think this is the best part of the movie actually did you except for the song which is great did
1: did you catch the um star trek reference which one (laughs) uh the quote from dr doppler probably but what was it he says uh dang it jim i'm an astronomer not a doctor Yes, yeah. well, I have uh, a doctor, but not that kind of doctor, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a doctorate. You just sit there and be useless.
0: Yeah, and that does reflect on how, like, in the book, Squire Trelawney also gets the wind taken out of his sails when he realizes how ill-equipped he is for, you know, the harsh life of a pirate. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but it's more tragic in that and less
1: goofy. Here, yeah, here it's silly.
0: I don't, I, I really hate Dr. Doppler.
1: <laughs> well, but, you know. teach his own.
0: <laughs> anyway um as far as the as far as the plot goes so Jim and Ben go back to the RLS legacy to get the map because mm-hmm. they didn't actually have the map which is yeah a deviation from the from
1: the book yeah in the book he just keeps it
0: and they uh they they encounter bugman again and they have to do a chase sequence which is a little bit better cuz it's creepier
1: yeah, it's very closed, and it's kind of claustrophobic.
0: You get the feeling like Jim could easily die at any moment, yeah, or get mortally wounded. There was a bit of a, you know, Jim going back onto the ship, and he fought with one of the mutineers and he got wounded in that. So, you know, it's not quite the same as in the book, but there's there's some recollection there.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, but Jim gets the map and brings it back, and um, Silver captures him and takes it.
0: I think why I like this scene a bit better is that it adheres a little bit better to the 70-30 rule. Mm-hmm. Whereas the black hole supernova garbage was pretty close to a thirty seventy <laughs> rule, like, right? Too much sci fi, mm-hmm. not enough navigation stuff, or uh, you know, traditional stuff. Yeah. But here, aside from the anti gravity, they're just fighting on a ship. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty great. He kicks him off into space. No, he he he. Yeah, he kicks him off into anti gravity. Yeah, I guess so. He kicks him off into space. Ain't nowhere <laughs> to
1: go but out. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> which is a little bit less dire than in the book, where he just shoots the guy. With a
1: gun, sure <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah. yeah, so silver uh, gets the map,
0: yeah, Jim comes back and tries to give it to the doctor, but you know silver has has come to their campsite, you know he's playing both sides he he came in the cloak of night and captured everyone and captures Jim and the crew, and forces Jim to use the map to lead him to the treasure, and this is where the plot really goes off the rails as far as the as far as the adhering to the book goes. Yeah, I
1: kind of wondered how much of this was uh, <laughs> divergent.
0: Um, well, in in the book, uh, when Jim leads them to the treasure, it's been discovered that the treasure's already been removed, at mm. which point the mutineers turn against Silver, and Jim and Silver kind of have their backs up against the wall, and the remaining faithful drive them off. And the plot's mostly resolved at that point. Here they okay. go a little bit more fantastical and lead up to yeah. another solar sail. Scene. Yeah,
1: that's that's closer to how it is in Muppet Treasure Island as well. Um, but I really like. I, I enjoy the interdimensional doorway angle.
0: It, it is cool. I think yeah. it's adher- it's going a little bit
1: closer to 50 50 than oh, 70 sure. 30. I'm not too worried about it by this point just because it's,
0: it's playing up cool its, its sci fi aspects and it gives a nice tie in from. How did Nathaniel, you know, get all, all of his treasure? How did Flint get all of his treasure? This is how. Yeah. Um they find that the tr- that the map actually fits into this part on the it fits into this planet. The whole planet is this mechanism, this huge awesome treasure stealing mechanism which I it's... would love to have seen a little bit more of the you know, the the entire the universe in this uh I guess, universe. In, yeah. well, in the who, Treasure Planet universe, I want to see how everything links together. Well, place in this
1: planet? The places that we see tend to be the melting pots of this universe. You know, starports and, and ships where there's races from all different, you know, planets and, and systems. This planet... Who built this planet? I don't know. Guardians? <laughs> Sentinels? Know. Whatever. Ben. Whatever. Yeah, ben, ben did it. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> he, he had to do something. He had a hundred years. But... Mm. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I got kind of fed up at this point with the movie. Like, I liked watching the movie up until this point, and then I got bored, to be honest. I... Like, everyone's minds are sort of already made up by this point, except for Silver's, but, you know, it's all it's Disney. He's gonna come back for a gym
1: I, I enjoyed the spectacle of it all.
0: I, I didn't, I don't think. I think i just been spectacled out. Like, even though it's the strong suit of this movie... We had a black hole, we had that awesome, you know, sailing in a comet for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I got sick of it.
1: Well, now we get a planetary self-destruct sequence.
0: Yeah, they find all the treasure.
1: Uh, um, and there, it's like it's like one of those classic, oh, there's gold everywhere, treasure troves. Like, when you think about it, if a pirate, like... I don't get why there's a booby trap here. Well, that's weird, but also just the collection <laughs> of that much money... You kind of have to wonder what sort of, like, if you're a pirate and you're stealing things for your own personal benefit, fine. But this is kind of like hoarder's level, like, just yeah. stealing for stealing's sake. Flint which... kind of looked like a dragon. So yeah, fine. a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I mean, uh, it, it makes a little bit more sense here than in Treasure Island, I think, because he can teleport to this place whenever he feels yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, gathers, it's, it's basically just like a bank that he doesn't have to claim on his taxes, right? Yeah. They, uh... In Treasure Island, whenever he wanted to, like, make a withdrawal, he had to do, like, a three-month journey.
1: Did you notice... (laughs) Didn't make um, any sense. When when they saw all the treasure, one of the crew members shouted that they're gonna need a bigger boat. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty stupid.
0: I I don't like all the... I don't think I like all the referential humor in this. The Star Trek thing, the Lilo and Stitch thing, the bigger boat thing.
1: I think I'm just more easily entertained than you.
0: (laughs) It is possible. I also, you know... I'm holding this against the standard of one of the best books ever.
1: Sure. So you really enjoyed it then? What? The book?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, also I've never it's been like too yeah. hard into the pirate aesthetic, but I think all the political wheelings and dealings and the villainous, duplicitous character of Long John—it just there's a lot to like, and it was very internally consistent, and the book was fast-paced enough that it could appeal to my, you know uh, you know, millennial ADD mindset, I, su- I suppose. Such I, as is. I, on the other hand,
1: enjoyed every single one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies.
0: Oh, Zane. And Spider-Man <laughs>
1: 3. But, Why? <laughs> I don't know, I just did.
0: I uh, I remember hearing recently that Spider-Man 3 uh, at least captured the real Peter Parker a little bit better than Tobey Maguire had been doing up until that point. He was a bit jokier.
1: I'll buy that.
0: Yeah, I, I won't. Um... Uh, <laughs>
1: But it's Uh, fine. So yeah, so this booby trap, um, which literally anyone or anything could have set off, but...
0: (laughs) I don't really get how it works, but again, they're not really focused on the, you know, logic of it.
1: It destroys the entire planet, basically.
0: Because whatever.
1: Whatever. Um, I
0: I don't get it, but it's fine. Um, and, And Silver has to make the choice. He sees Jim slipping down the side of, I don't know, Treasure Lava. And has to decide whether or not to give up the treasure that he's holding on to and save Jim, or to forsake Jim and make off with the treasure. And of course, he chooses yeah. Jim. Classic because two-handed.
1: It's the classic two-handed cliff grab dilemma.
0: Yeah, he, yeah, he he chooses not to, you know, turn back into a human and just stay as a llama, but save his friend on the side <laughs> of that, you know, the side of that Azteca architecture.
1: No, no, no. It's, it's where he rejects the, the underwater world and, and stays up on the human with her, with his new legs.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, no, no. Well, I don't think it's quite that. It, I think it's more like, uh, (laughs) when he, you know, he, he has the choice of becoming, going back to his classes as a renowned, uh, has a renowned archaeologist with the Holy Grail in hand, but decides to save his father instead.
1: I think it's a little bit more like when he uh, when they found somebody who looked just like him and they were going to put him in prison, in prison instead, but then he, he showed up and revealed that he was the real Jean Valjean. <laughs> I don't have any other of them. I'm, I'm out. Those are the only ones I could think of. Well played, sir.
0: You got me. Yeah, it, pretty classic, by which I mean... Hackneyed. Like, I'm tired of seeing this, I think. I I wonder what would have been stronger. Like, maybe if it was, um, maybe if it was, like, kind of a reversal. Like, he, he could choose to reach for Jim's hand as opposed to... Maybe it would be more like if, uh, he was trying to follow the ring into lava or had to reach for re- reach for Samwise's hand. Yeah. You know, where he's choosing between his own mortality and his, and his flight to treasure. Or, ooh, what if Jim was the one who had to decide...
1: But the the problem with that is I think Jim would, well, I don't think Jim would really be that motivated by either. I think he would just try to get out of Dodge. I'm
0: not sure about that. Uh, they would have had to set up the movie a little bit differently to this point, you know, yeah. really emphasize his greed, which is not, it's not an aspect in the book either. It's just him going on an adventure and he yeah. has, you know, it, 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 the treasure doesn't really hold much sway for him in mm-hmm. either setting. Um, but, I don't know. That would have been interesting to see. Like, whether or not he saves the man whom he, hold, he holds affection for, but has stabbed him in the back.
1: Yeah. It would been interesting. Uh, yeah. But they all manage to survive. Jim uses, his, uh, uses a solar sail to, uh, you know, surf and set the portal uh, away from the planet. And then they just cruise right into the portal as the planet explodes. Yeah, because like... the
0: ship is damaged and can't exit the atmosphere, so they have to use the... Teleportal.
1: All in all, a pretty cool sequence. I, it I, is cool. I enjoyed it.
0: It is cool, and they you know barely get back to the spaceport, and the thing explodes behind them, and uh, you know they don't escape with any of the treasure, or do think? Right. <laughs> uh, but it's, it this is this is a cool scene, I think, for one reason, which is that it recollects the whole um, you're going to be destined for greatness stuff that Silver was saying before.
1: Oh, beautiful language too. What. One day when you're, you know, yeah. full of radiance. I hope that I can bask in that glory or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I,
0: I hope I'm there to catch some sun off your sails or something like that. It's, it's beautiful. Really, every everything he says is so pirate. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I don't know. the The ram- romanticism of a pirate is really well captured in that character, both yeah. in the book and here. Like, and he's so jovial. You kind of get just get caught up in him. <laughs> it's great. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, they, uh, you know, he he makes it back home. Everyone makes it back home. And by the way, the mutineers, the last couple of people, the bug man and whatever, Mm -hmm. they are marooned in the book. So it's a similar thing. They're left behind. Oh, neat. They could have been saved in the book. Like, they actually kind of have an impromptu court where they're like, do we save them? And they eventually decide, eh, there's going to be another ship that comes here eventually. Let's leave them some supplies. And that's it. huh yeah it's it's much more realistic and down to earth you know them kind of considering what happens to the villains and whether or not to subject them to the queen's justice yeah um i don't i don't care that it didn't happen here but it, it's the same problem i have with this whole movie it's not much of a problem but just the realism is not there yeah which is kind of silly considering the plot like
1: the, the plot and both
0: aesthetics i would say <laughs> <laughs> yeah Like, you... Yes. Um, Jim's the only human character. (laughs) Like, there's very little to link us to this movie. Yeah.
1: But, uh, the epilogue is basically, um, you know, the captain's gonna take Silver to jail, but Jim helps him escape?
0: In the... In the book, Ben Gunn helps him escape. Okay. Um... But I, I don't mind this kind of wrap up farewell between him because yeah. it, it it emphasizes Jim that Jim has to take make a choice.
1: Yeah, and Jim and it shows that Jim has grown up because the choice is, do you want this life of adventure? Do you want to continue doing this kind of thing? And he basically says, no, no. I've learned. I'm I'm grown up. I've become a man. I'm going to do you know the stable and, and competent thing.
0: Yeah, and and he's forgiven Silver at this point, but he hasn't.
1: He hasn't like, forgotten.
0: He, yeah, exactly. Well well put.
1: I I got it somewhere.
0: <laughs> got it from a cereal box.
1: <laughs> Came up with it myself. <laughs> you probably got it from Kermit. I, I was on a cliff and I had a choice between reaching for a cliche. <laughs> or... <laughs> or reaching for a binary choice. Right. Progression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, everybody kind of uh, ends up happily ever after, you know, Ben like it. Hel- Ben helps out at the inn, which is rebuilt from funds that uh, Silver pocketed and gave to Jim, Amelia and Doppler get married, the captain offers reason. to get Jim into an academy, like, everyone's, everyone's doing pretty well. Yeah,
0: everyone settles down at the Benbow Inn for whatever reason. One, I don't think that the captain should have gotten married to that dog. She's better than that. <laughs> Two, <laughs> I think the ending just feels kind of weak. Um, it it was
1: pretty quick it was over it was over pretty fast, but the climax was a bit drawn out so I felt like it evened out all right.
0: The thing is um the way that uh, the way that um John silver his character develops he you know he still is the life of a pirate and, yeah. but at this point you you know for a fact that he would rather be with Jim and it just kinda it it, it underlines the fact that he was hedging. He he he's he's also grown during this book, and yeah. or during the movie. And in the book, it wasn't about him growing; it was about him playing on Jim's insecurities and you know um, naivete, um, yeah. and the fact that he's given that kind of character just doesn't mesh well with me. Hmm. I don't know. I, I've said it before. I think he's stronger as a character whom does not evolve in in the, in the progression <laughs> of the story. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't really need a Disney-esque where-are-they-now ending. Um, it's nice to show that Jim is doing well with his chosen path, although in the book, he actually, uh, he's kind of haunted by memories of, like, the parrot squawking in Treasure Island and oh, it, like, wakes him up in cold sweats at night. <laughs> it's really cool. I like that a lot better. Yeah, they did,
1: a, they did ending, endings in a, a darker fashion back then, I guess.
0: I mean, he, he did make off with a bunch more treasure than he did in this one. Treasure's in nice. this in this one he kind of just makes ends meet again but um i don't know it it's a weaker ending but it does settle jim's character arc nicely he's kind of chosen yeah. a middle ground um yeah between adventuring and responsibility by becoming like a captain such as the yeah, I, I find that interesting
1: uh, that he's found a middle ground as opposed to Long John Silver, who kind of alternates between extremes, trying to play d- both sides.
0: That's exactly. I couldn't think of a good way to say it. He he alternates between extremes. Well, it doesn't. He he acts as though he alternates between extremes. Right, right. He doesn't really. He. I I have a feeling that yeah. I don't know. Good. Go on. <laughs> I, I've been talking for too long. I'm yeah. just well. I, now.
1: I, I think. Um... I, I think Silver, they they try to keep that whole, well, whose side is he really on? But, you know, he's on his own side. He likes Jim, honestly. He wanted more money and power, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have minded that being a bit more ambiguous, but I can yeah. see why they kept it.
0: I, I can too, it's still Disney You have to give some credence to the fact that Six year olds have to be able to watch this or whatever Right uh, I, I I will say it is much
1: stronger in the book And he is much I more of an ambi-
0: At the end of it you're not even sure whether he liked Jim or not It's really cool
1: Well that's why uh, the book is a classic of uh, Literature and the movie is uh, More of a cult classic now Than anything else
0: So um, how did you feel about the whole tone of the book Or uh,
1: of the movie all in all, uh, fast-paced. It was fun. I think the uh, the sci-fi elements served the central story rather than drew attention to themselves for the most part. Yeah, until always.
0: Ben showed up, it really complemented it well.
1: Yeah, uh, the story's pretty easy to follow, but there, I felt like there were there was quite a lot of subtlety in the facial expressions. So on the whole, I was uh, I was a big fan. I enjoyed it quite a quite a well, bit. It wasn't that subtle?
0: Like the tones, mu- the, the, the 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 themes might have been a bit subtle, but the characters were not.
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't enjoyed, I thought the facial expressions t- cued me into what was going on without them having to, you know, say how they felt.
0: Uh, one thing about uh, Jim's character is that uh, the whole dichotomy between a responsible person and Long John is just not really drawn to in this book in favor of that whole parental abandonment theme. Um, and I couldn't kind of reconcile that it was one theme and not the other. Because I I would see shades of it, especially in the plot that was, like, the Treasure Island plot. But it just... There wasn't really a strong figure for the responsibility side of it. Yeah. And I sort of lament that. Well, I...
1: I I don't know how you felt about it. Well, you said Doppler was fused from two different people. So probably if they had... they, They could have made him a more... You know robust figure in and of himself rather than go the goofy route <laughs> um i don't know maybe if they had done more with the captain's character made her the i don't know yeah there there isn't really somebody else to play off of it really yeah. makes the central dichotomy between silver and jim rather than jim choosing between silver and someone else
0: yeah i agree yeah i i did like the movie I, I I watched it before. I watched it a couple months ago and having watched it again, I, I think I I think I still like it quite a lot.
1: Um But you after... like the book better.
0: the book is just much
1: it's, I'm sure, I'm sure. It's just,
0: it's just so much denser. And I think... I love it when a character is amb- like when you have to really read between the lines and you know cite your sources and investigate into the, the you know the 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 material leading yeah. up to the book to figure out what the character's about, and it just <laughs> it was kind of all laid on the page for this. the dialogue yeah. was very indicative of how the characters felt uh you know that that makes uh, you can't just have their characters saying how they feel right you know that makes me angry so in that regard, it yeah, didn't really I mean, work out too i well.
1: I'm sure I would enjoy the book i I think I like this better than Muppet Treasure Island, and a lot it of it good a lot of it just has to do with it, really visually stunning film yeah why and I think
0: this why you know you usually hit very hard in the in the box office
1: I don't know it could have been maybe they just set their sights too high i mean with a with this style of animation it was you know uh, a bit more expensive at the time than it is now to do a lot of the CGI stuff um, mm. I think probably they just didn't advertise it very well I okay. I don't I don't know I think I looked it up but I don't really remember why it didn't do as well I think I don't know I think nowadays it would it would play better yeah maybe I think uh, people are ready for that kind of fantastical adventure again
0: well but... I'm wondering if they just uh they were you know hitting I think they may have been aesthetically hitting to a much shallower, well, not shallower, but a much younger audience than the yeah than the plot does. They
1: they misread the uh, demographic. That's yeah,
0: I, I think they could have done away with all the really schlocky jokes. You know, the <laughs> farting alien, almost all of Ben. Like I, I kind of just we didn't. I don't think this movie as a whole benefited from having you know a cute comical sidekick companion and it's
1: interesting i I think the reason that i liked this film and i'm willing to forgive it some of its uh worse elements is that the problems with it were not systemic the problems were very localized to a specific character or a specific decision uh in the direction and it wasn't throughout the entire thing
0: that might be a function of it being in an adaptation whereas they you know adhered pretty strongly and then changed around a few things for so the sake if, yeah. of, like, so for Ben, you know, was a clear, uh, was a clear delineation from the book, so it's more obvious that that's out of place, Yeah. whereas, you know, Jim and Long John are, for the most part, despite a couple of narrative beats and, you know, animation beats, are are pretty much the same characters.
1: Right. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I have anything else to say, man. I, I'm pretty good. Okay. Well, I uh if I I don't know if uh, if anyone like I feel like we were less funny in this episode. We had so, a lot of plot to get through. <laughs> we had a lot of plot to get through. We'll have to take a next a, a less plot heavy thing next time. But uh for those of you listening out there, if you enjoyed this, let us know. And if you would rather hear some more stuff like King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, let us know and we'll do these less frequently. However, yeah. I think I'd like to revisit this segment again. Maybe try it with a work that I'm less familiar with so we don't have to harp quite so much on the themes yeah. and the ways in which I feel like Long John Silver was handled better in the book. <laughs> you know?
1: Uh yeah, so uh let's uh let's give this one an over easy rating and
0: uh... <laughs> We'll have to we'll have to come up with some sort of chart for egg themed yeah. Sunny it side up. W- it certainly wasn't runny. It wasn't no. scrambled. I wouldn't say it was cracked either. No. It was kind of cracked.com. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway. Um next... so what are we doing next time? So next time we are going to talk about Doug. Um like we said earlier and uh I I have gotten the 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 confirmation that David will be joining us for that if oh, possible. Oh, sweet. Sweet. Yeah, awesome. I'll have to show him how to record stuff, but uh yeah. get <laughs> him a mic. We'll, we also uh, I watched a couple episodes earlier, and it was fucking difficult to do. Really? He uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't age well? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, uh, I'll have to take a
1: look at that. Uh, it was I reminiscent of, like, Edna and Eddie
0: in that he seems that, like he does have some sort of disambiguous disorder. But I'll let you draw your own conclusions.
1: I already have. Um, Great. <laughs> and then uh, after that, after Doug... Yes, I
0: haven't heard what
1: is coming up next. The episode so, after that, we are going to be watching Chalk Zone. I don't know what the hell that is. You never seen? Ch- you must have seen Chalk Zone. I
0: think I've heard of it, and I just wasn't that like based on like a kid with purple chalk or something.
1: Harold and the Purple Crayon? It, it sort is of that reminded right? me of it. Um, yeah, it's it's the story of a boy who has a uh, magic chalk and goes into a uh, chalk zone. Yeah, <laughs> I I can't describe it any better than that. Uh, just watch the intro; it, it might come back to you. I'm pretty sure you've seen it.
0: Doesn't have like uh people like kind of whispering, chokso chokso something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, something like that.
0: I'm getting some. I'm getting some phantom memories. Yeah,
1: you know. <laughs> Flint's
0: ghost is telling me something.
1: Well, hopefully, it ages better than Doug. Um, <laughs> it'd be hard not to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when you consider the amount of time between uh, when uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's book came out and when the movie came out, I'd say it aged pretty well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, th- th- I feel like this, uh, I feel like Treasure Island can be continually adapted, like, it's been adapted, like, 50-some-odd times already. And it,
1: it's weird that it, it's weird that it's not a bigger part of the uh, cultural lexicon. Like, you look at some of Shakespeare's things, and it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that everywhere, but, uh, yeah. I don't
0: know. I would say that uh, the, the character the of Long John is so iconic, and it kind of does give you the whole pirate, jovial pirate, but ruthlessness... Yeah. Like I can't think of a character that does that better, and I feel like every pirate character I've known has borrowed from that. So maybe not directly referenced, but we see yeah. it whenever we see pirates.
1: Yeah, I mean, and even never having seen this before, it felt it, it catered to a lot of things, and it, it made me feel reminiscent for something I'd never seen before. So I guess <laughs> that's plenty always of things, a fun feeling. Plenty of things have borrowed from it, I'm sure.
0: Was I reincarnated? <laughs> it's <laughs> always I, a fun feeling. Am I a cyborg? Yeah. Did I lose my primary memory circuit? I hope not, because then we're going to have to go into, like, booby trap land for no reason at all. (laughs) Anyway.
1: Anyway. Um, Yeah. Are we good? I believe we are good. We, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get cracking.
0: Yeah. All right. Until next time, um, uh, you got the makings of greatness in you. I just hope I'm there to catch some light coming off your sails. It sounds
1: dirty now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: hehehehe <laughs> <laughs>